Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold, and this week I am thrilled, I am thrilled, thrilled, beyond thrilled that I got to interview the one and only Sharon Glass. You might know her from Cagney and Lacey, Queer as Folk. She is an icon. What a life she's had. So I hope you enjoy. And also, FYI, for your information, I want you to know that uh, I'm going to be coming to a comedy club near you March 10th at City Winery. And I'll be in New Hope the weekend of the 12th and 13th. That's in Pennsylvania. So I'll talk more about it at the end. But please enjoy my interview with the one and only Sharon Glass. I just want to say... You know, I've been doing this podcast since 2015, and there are a few guests who have blown my mind that I have them as guests. Dick Cavett. I mean, just like iconic. Yes, I've had icons. But Sharon, you know how someone is such a part of your life and you don't even know them? I mean, I met you after you had an impact on my life. And... You're like, I mean, reading this book, I just wanted to text you and say, oh, your fucking life. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's unfucking believable So, ladies oh. and gentlemen, and they, thems, and whatevers, my guest today and next week is the one, the only, Sharon Glass. Woo! Oh, my God. This is the best. Sharon. Thank you, Judy I, Gold. You, first of all, if... Get this book. It's called, Hmm. apparently there were complaints. It is a memoir by the one and only Sharon Glass. Just get it for the, um, for the, uh, blurbs on the back. Cause they're fucking hilarious. Wait, let me just read Ron. You're missing on the back. You should be on the back. All right. Well, you know what? Brandy Rainbow was asked, but Judy Gold wasn't. Uh, Randy Rainbow was hilarious. I so admire Sharon's unrelenting courage. Imagine having the nerve to think that anyone would want to read this. I mean, <laughs> anyone who asks for blurbs that are hilarious, you know that they are so fucking secure and so no, they know who they are and are so comfortable with themselves. First of all, having met you and hung out with you, I had no idea about your childhood, which is fascinating. I mean, it's- I guess, I mean, you know, when you live it, it's not as fascinating to you, but thank you for saying that. I oh my it- God. You, ha- you have to get this book. I'll just, I'll keep saying that. Your grandparents played a huge role- Yes. In not only, you know, your upbringing and decisions that were made- on your behalf, but reading this, they had such a profound effect on who you are and mm. your values and yes, you know, the stuff that you saw and experienced, you know, you'd think, oh, look at this privileged, beautiful young woman. And they, you have no fucking clue. So your, your grandpa. That's why I refer to myself as the poor relative. Because- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They but had your money co- and raised me as if I did, and I didn't. Right. At all. So your grandfather, Neil McCarthy, right, was the Hollywood lawyer. Like, like and we're talking during the heyday, like right. Cecil B. DeMille, like Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. He Cecil was royalty. Like, I don't even know who we would compare him to for the young listeners? I don't know. There, there was that uh, that wonderful, um, and he used to do trial work and he was always on talk shows. Damn, if I can't remember his name. Carson used to have him on all the time and he was a famous trial lawyer and he said they just don't, they don't have trial lawyers anymore like Neil S. McCarthy. It's just, they just don't exist. And I've always said the best, the best actors in our country are our good trial in performance all the time. Oh, you know, I think some some of the best comedians are ex-lawyers because they read into every (laughs) 
thing, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, they were they were strict. They were my grandmother yeah. particularly. Oh um, my god, your grandmother. Whoa. So <laughs> yeah. they had this marriage. A lot of philandering going on. And, and oh you not god, knowing. That's right. So yes, you're it's true. Yes. Generations of it. Right. But the one side of your family is this attorney. And then the other side, they owned land. They owned Los Feliz, correct? The a lot of the yes. They owned Encino, California. They owned Los Feliz. They owned um, down downtown. They, I can't remember. There's just a lot of Southern California that they owned. They were Basque sheep herders. Right. So I'm and actually part sheep. Really? <laughs> yes. You look good. I mean, you can in take- my book, I swear to God, I took a pic. I didn't take one. I found a picture in the family archives of our sheep. No way. <laughs> and I wanted to put it in as my family. <laughs> um, and I find it amusing, but there's one sheep that's looking right at the lens, exactly right at Not the lens. In the like in the photo, in the photo of the sheep, there's one sheep that's just that's staring directly that, at the lens. Yeah, that's and, the reincarnation yeah. of someone, right? Or something. And with all that land and all of that, uh, that and a dime will get you not even a cup of coffee, right? But, all right. So your grandfather was this. You know, gigantic figure. And your grandmother was beyond strict, like so fucking hard on you about everything about you, about the way you spoke, the way you looked. Tremendous impact, tremendous impact on me. I I don't think I, I mean, I've known it all my life, but when I started to write the book is when I had to address it, you know, and, and talk about her power and her power over me. And it sounds like I'm complaining. There's a part of me that thanks her every day. Oh, I bet. Yeah. For what I she bet. put me through. But um, I'm, I'm a result of it and take it or leave it. Oh, you're um, the best. Here we are. I mean, you know. So your father's this huge figure and your parents are married and there was this idea that that because they owned all this land that they were wealthy and they they weren't so on my father's side right yeah they weren't Uh, dennis dennis your father dennis and your mother marjorie were married your mother marjorie was the product of your grandmother who was the grand dame i mean when you read the book i was scared i mean like i was scared of her sort of see Helen Hayes playing her. And it's, oh, and, and you remember the movie Anastasia? Yes, yes. Well, there's that recognition scene between, let's say, Ingrid Bergman and the grand, and the grandmother. That was my grandmother. Oh, the tension when you're reading it, like, uh-oh. Oh, I hope she doesn't find that out. Fuck. You know, it's... I it's know. So you, they had this beautiful house on uh, Muirfield, is it Muirfield? Muirfield Road, right, Yeah, Hancock Park. That was where so many huge things occurred. Mm. Um, and you lived there for a while. I lived there all of my life. Right. So they sold till I was like 17. Right. And I tried to buy it. You did not. I tried to buy it back, Judy. We shot a Cagney and Lacey in it. No, you did not. Swear to God. And when I walked on the set that morning, the crew was so quiet and so respectful. They knew that it was my right, right, right. home and where I'd been raised all my life. And um, I tried to buy it from uh, the owner. And I, we have a little time. So can I tell you. Because oh, like, we're going to get to the other part of the. I, before, I mean, there's another time you go to the house when it, you don't own it. That is fascinating. Right. That's that's when uh, I shot Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, we shot Cagney and Lacey when I didn't own it. We, we but didn't it. didn't someone buy it and then you had to go to a wedding there? Oh, yes. The people who bought it from my family were my best friend, right? Susan, and I ended up going to her wedding in that house. And that... my grandmother was invited. My mother was invited. Oh, you'll see, and you know, in the book, there are three. Yeah, generations it's a, that's such a sad story. It's such a yeah. that really generations of women were affected by this. Yeah. Um, okay, so your grandfather, is, you live in this huge house, um, and you would think 
like I just read this article. I don't know if you saw this article about um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Hanks's son saying I didn't have a role, a male role model growing up and everyone no, I thought I had everything. And I was so, you know, because we're rich and my father's famous, everyone thought everything was great and they didn't realize, you know, I was missing something. And I, it made me think of you. Um, oh, I you know I need if if, if uh, I, I need to be clear. I know how fortunate I was. Right. Believe me, I, I'm that I don't have complaints necessarily about them. They had complaints about me. Right. That's what my book is. It's all the people who've had complaints. It's a complaint, about me. and it's like everything you do, you can't get a break. <laughs> That's and you were sort of surrounded, which is kind of Jewy, but it's very Irish by depressed pe- people who were really unhappy deep down inside and not expressing it. Like I would say so. There's a strain of depression throughout the family. Right. Any on my father's side. Right. Um, and Marjorie. Yeah. yeah I, hers hers uh, was demonstrated differently. Yeah. Because um, she was a, in her defense, I have to say, she was the most wonderful woman, the most wonderful mother. Just, that's all she wanted to do was be right a mom. was to be a mother yeah and she couldn't stick up for me against my grandmother right Ugh. um I would have been so fucking scared of her um your mother wanted <laughs> so many kids and had so many miscarriages and lost babies two after birth right right and the that that sort of permeated through your house um mm. and was it was as if, and, and you're even named, uh, your middle name is, is what is uh, your sister who, who died. Right. Well, my, my sister was named after my grandmother. Right. And, um, so then when I came along, her name was Marguerite, right. my grandmother's name. And then when I was born, I was became Sharon Marguerite. Can you tell the story of how you got the name Sharon? Oh, yeah. You have read my book. All right. Good on you, Judy. Oh, um, please. I, I was named yes. after a, a tea leaf reader. I mean, I yes. was named by a tea leaf reader. My mother was in uh, this play. She was in, she was very active in charitable things. And they had this children's theater where she used to perform. And the women after the performance would go to this tea room. And there was a woman there who read tea leaves just for amusement. And she said to my mother, you're doing, you're producing something special. What are you doing? This is in the 40s, right? My mother said, well, I'm pregnant. She said, well, I think this is going to be a very unusual child. She said, after the child is born, here's my phone number. Would you call me? I'd like to name this child. <laughs> well, my mother is so conservative. I can't even believe my mother had this conversation. She called her. And in my baby book, I found the envelope that my mother had written the name. No way. Yes. And one of them was Sharon in the circle. Do you remember the other two? There were more than two others. The other two I can remember now is um, Hillary. Yes. And uh, Karen. Yeah. No, thank God she didn't pick Karen. No. I mean, that would have been. There were, there were. You're so not a Karen. No, I'm not. I mean, Jack Bauer. Yeah, he was head of casting. Right. studios. And you were surrounded by this, but never thought about becoming an actress. And then. You see this um, classmate of yours, Billy Chapin. That's right, Billy Chapin. You remember, you're too young to know Father Knows Best. Uh, are you kidding? I watched, I loved Father Knows Best. I used to watch reruns when I got home from school. I love Father Knows Best. Well, the, the daughter, the young one. Yes. They called Kitten. Yes, that's Kit- Lauren Chapin. And that's Billy Chapin's younger sister. No way. And she was <laughs> like, she was the precocious one. Yes, and father's no father knows best. Yeah, she was the you know, they called her the kitten. Yes. I called her recently. I called no way for the book. I called her for the book. I mean, I've never met her, and I introduced myself, and she was very nice. Knew who I was, and right. I said I wrote it? about Billy in my book. Well, she's considerably younger than I, but um, I told her I wrote about her brother, and her brother's gone now. Oh. But I said, Billy, Billy was huge in my life that he became an actor. And there he was on the motion picture screen. And I, the kid from Left Field was the name of the movie he was in. He played the kid. I thought, that's Billy Chapin. If he can be on that screen, so can I. 
you know, sometimes you just need an example right. of what your dream is. Sometimes you just need to see there are possibilities. It's amazing oh. the way you write about, you know, you're watching this movie and you're like, wait, I know him. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. My classmate, Billy. If Billy can do it, I can do it. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which... Yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen they're never frozen, they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and literally, you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. Now, you were very criticized. Your grandfather said you walk like a duck, which was a very, that was a horrible um, story. Oh, that's okay. Honest to God. I, I, the truth is, Judy, I think I say it in my book. I was sort of, yeah, I guess I did walk like a duck, but I was so flattered that he noticed. Noticed anything. I, I know. That's, right. You, know? you were like, oh my God, he said something about me. Um, noticed me. Yeah. Your mother had all these miscarriages. She was, but but was a com- completely loving parent. Your parents divorced divorced while you were sent away to boarding school. Now, just right. so everyone knows who's listening, you didn't know you were going to go to boarding school. Your grandmother had planned this whole thing out, and she knew that your parents were divorcing. Correct. Well, yes. The truth is, I had asked to go to boarding school. Right. I thought. I had a crush on on my teacher, my English teacher at junior high, and she'd gone to boarding school. So my mother saw me crying in my room. She said, darling, what's wrong? He said, I want to go to boarding school like Miss Moore. Well, always the answer is no, or I'll right. And this time she said, let me talk to your grandmother. And it just landed because they were going, my parents were going to get divorced. I didn't know it. And that was the perfect thing is tuck Sharon away. Right. So the day um, that my father left the house, I was put on a train. You're, you have an older brother, Michael. Um, Wonderful, yeah. And Eric, who's your younger brother. And you right. and Michael were very close in age. And Eric was much younger because your mother kept trying and trying. And right. then she really wanted, you know, you and Michael tortured Eric. And um, <laughs> Isn't that what wanted, older brothers are supposed to do? But that story of you, can you tell the story of... Going like taking Eric and oh, god, that was so awful. 
I mean, it says something about me because my mother said, you may not remove Eric from the nursery. Do not bring him downstairs to show him off. Oh, okay, okay, mommy, I won't. Well, of course, as soon as she's out of the house, there's someone downstairs. I pick Eric up. It's Eric, actually. Yes. Um, and I carried him down a flight of 20 stairs. And on the fifth stair, it's like it was yesterday, I fell <laughs> with him in my arms. But I held him fast. I knew enough at seven years old to hold him tight. So I took the hit. I didn't ever let him go until I'd hit the bottom. And you never told anyone. And never. did you, is this, have you told him? I don't. Well, he's read the books. So well, sure now he knows, he knows now. but I, I didn't know if you had went right. about older and said, I dropped you on your head. And <laughs> <laughs> I may have told him it was, it was, um, it was a very, very frightening thing. I was a bad girl. My mother wanted children to be near in age. So they had people to play right. with. You know, she didn't believe in only children. And so she had Eric seven years after Michael, finally, and then, I mean, after me. Right. Finally, then Eric came seven years later, a baby that survived. And then she got pregnant again after Eric. And that baby delivered and died also. Oh, your poor mother. You know, I was doing some research. Yeah. And it's not her fault. It's just the way it was. In the you, 40s, it was you, recommended that pregnant smoke. women smoke and drink to relax yeah. themselves. So um, my mother smoked and drank through all of our pregnancies. Right. Yeah. They you were. mentioned that in the book. But it's so interesting that, that they, you know, the, the way I mean, you go from your childhood and you talk about your mother and that women were considered hysterical and told to smoke and calm their nerves. And then you become this feminist icon when you get into Cagney and Lacey. But it's, your life is just fascinating. You, um, thank you. You became overweight. You had a weight issue. Um, Still do. Who doesn't? Yeah, I know. You know, I did a show. I was doing a series yesterday, and you are so lucky that you're not doing a series now where everyone is vegan or on a plant diet. It's so fucking oh annoying. They weigh I a pound. Everything is like, um, <laughs> everything, I like craft services. Oh, we have the vegan. No, I don't want vegan. I want no. a fucking burger. I want French fries. I'm not ever going to be as skinny as you. Like it's, they're going to live to 150 with shitting, shitting 24 hours a day. All these people. I, I want to do another series. I have another one in me. Oh, um, I, I bet. But, but I, but yeah, but you're going to hate my services. Age, yeah. I don't, I, it, it shouldn't, it, I don't think it's demanded of someone my age that I be real thin. I mean, right. women look like I do. Right. What we look like. Well, now we have streaming services that have, that show real people. So your grandfather told you, um, cause you had gotten a little chunky and you were going to be, what is it called when they give, when you become a, de when you're presented as a debutante or what oh, is a that? Debutante. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you had gained uh, all this weight. In boarding and, school. Yeah. You went to boarding school. You were depressed. You learned like the, so much stuff went on in boarding school in like, as far as you getting, um, you getting, gaining this weight and you developing this coping mechanism. Yeah. That to me. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did. You know, what's interesting. Uh, my boarding school friends just recently, we've started a zoom thing. Business. we graduated in 61. So now wow. we're doing this zoom thing and they have read my book. Right. And they said, Sharon, we never knew. We had no idea what emotionally, how right. you hid. Cause I, I was, you know, Hey, million laughs. Right. Um, and they read the thing about where I would go inside. inside. Yeah. Can you, can you, do you not want to talk about that? Sure. So you, I, I mean, I've been in therapy for years and every right. therapist says, Sharon, don't do that. Said, it's a, it's an amazing, I, when you describe it for the first time, mm. it, it's incredible. Like how does a human being just decide, like the first time it happens, you said, I went dead. I, I, I just stopped. I, I, it was, I mean, I know it, 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 it therapists, it makes them crazy. They hate right. it, but it was a gift at the time. I was so upset and I caught 
writing, you know, it was during the Asian flu, which is right. similar to our now. Um, and we were, I was in the boarding school. We were not allowed to, we had to take naps. Oh my God. That's naps, so no funny. Letters. I know. Yeah. And I got busted. I got caught. I was writing my mother a letter about the divorce. Right. And that I, I, I was missing her and, and we weren't getting along anymore. And I was just sobbing, pouring out all my feelings. Right. A 14 year old, you know, who's raw, who's more right. raw than a 14. And, um, I got caught and I was told I was going to be brought up in front of the student body. And, um, I just sat, they took my stationery away, took my letters away. And I sat there in my bed and I sobbed and I couldn't, I couldn't stop something. I think it was a miracle. A miracle came over me and my heart stopped hurting. It's just like I went dead. I knew it had happened, but it wasn't a bad thing. Um, and I was able to walk around school, go to dinner that night, con- converse with everybody, crack the jokes, but da, but da, knowing I was dead inside and no one could touch me. And you use that, you, re- you repeat it a-, a few times in the book that you know, I know I have that. I know I have that to go to, you know, that's, it's sort Ability. of like a safe place. It's like compartmentalizing. Yeah, um, I guess so. I didn't realize that. I was able to do it. Again, therapists say, Christ, don't do that. Right. Um, but uh, it, it's, uh, it, it worked for me. It saved my life. Right. You were, yeah, I love that you got in trouble for writing your mother a letter. And it's so fucking stupid. Um, you gain this weight. Can you please tell the story about your grandfather bribing you? Oh, well, I'm sure my grandmother went to him. They were, they were separated, but my yeah, way. That's so separate. interesting about that. They, you know, your grandmother didn't want to divorce him because he no. had said, he had said to her, you wrote he about wanted a divorce. Yeah. He wanted a divorce, but he had said something earlier in their relationship. Well, about- he was a big lawyer. He was a fancy lawyer and he used to tell her that he would advise and he had very fancy clients. He said, right. I always advise the wife not to don't give a divorce because right. you will end up as the ex Mrs. So-and-so you'll end up with nothing. So don't. And in those days you couldn't contest a divorce. Right. Yeah. So She had the right to say, no, I'm not giving you a divorce. He said, why not? And she said, because I'd be much better off as the present Mrs. McCarthy than I would as the ex. He said, who told you that? <laughs> she said, the finest lawyer I know. <laughs> she said, and that would be, she said, you. So she never gave him the divorce. Smart woman. I think she was always in love with him, I think. To the yeah, you said. say that. You say he that. He asked yeah. her back. He asked her back years later. And? I her back. I said, Grimmy, are you going? She said, your grandfather asked me to come back. Yeah. I said, are you going to go? She said, no, I'm too old. Said, Neil, I'm too old. Stop it. <laughs> That's, uh, See? They know who their soulmates are. Um, really? Wh- all right. So can you tell the whole, the story of them? So you're, you're, you're going to be presented, but you're too, you've gained all this weight. You still were beautiful. Even in boarding school, when you have that, your hair back and your face is, I mean, I thought you, I didn't even, like, first of all, that is not fat today. You know what I mean? Like you, well, you were, you were still adorable. 75 pounds was tilting the scale when you were right. teenager. Can you tell the story of your grandfather bribing you, please? Yes, I think my grandmother went to him. Right. I can't do anything with her and got to get this weight off of her. Can you think of anything? He said, sure. So I guess I had lunch with him one day and um, we weren't really close. But he said, I have an offer. I said, what is it, Grandpa? He said, if you lose 20 pounds, I will take you to lunch with Cary Grant. He said that. I don't remember what I said back. I'm sure I said something like, oh, that'd be so wonderful. Thank you, Grandpa. I knew instantly I couldn't do that because he'd tell Mr. Grant that I had lost 20 pounds just so I could right. him. It's so embarrassing that I never lost the weight. It's so, it's I, awful. Gary Grant didn't know that I'd lost. Yeah. I know. You know, when I was 16, my um, I was kind of chunky and my grandmother got me for my 16th birthday this book entitled The Woman Doctor's Diet for Teenage Girls. That was my birthday present. Oh, I 
Are you kidding? That was your yes. The woman doctor's diet for teenage girls. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> they're all fucking mental. That explains a lot. Yes, exactly, and gigantic. Your uncle was head of Paramount. No, 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 no. He was head of casting. Casting. He was head Jack- of casting at, at most of the major studios before he died. Right. Yeah. But he didn't believe in nepotism, so he didn't encourage right. him to become an actress. And but my it, grandfather called it a filthy business to right. stay out of it. So there wasn't a lot of it. Your grandmother, can you tell the uh, Mars bars story with the um, metronome? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, because I have other Mars Bar stories that I didn't. Oh, you do? Yeah, but but it's not worthy. Um, Yeah, I, I, my grandmother locked me up in her house in Carmel my first year of college. Yes, I was going to have to be making my debuts every time. Uh, And she said, "I'll be damned if you're going to walk out there looking like Moby Dick." Because we have so pleasant, so pleasant. (laughs) I know. So she locked me up and um, I guess I must have borrowed a quarter because I didn't have any money of my own because my grandmother would give me money, but I had to give her a receipt to make sure I didn't take a nickel out for right. Mars bar. Well, somebody must have loaned me a quarter because I had five Mars bars and um, I ate them one night sitting at her dining room table after she'd gone to bed and must have put the wrappers in my bathrobe. And the next day... I came home and there was, I always went to, in those days, we called it a stereo. I went to the stereo to put on Elvis. And there was a Mars bar wrapper on the screen. Fuck. I'm so screwed. Okay, so then I went into my bedroom. There's another Mars bar wrapper stuck to the pillow. I went into the bathroom. There's a Mars bar wrapper stuck on the mirror. I went into the kitchen. There's a Mars bar wrapper stuck on the, on the fridge door. Um, anyway, I was so busted. and. I thought she was going to give up on me. And uh, she she gave me one more try and she took 40 pounds off of me. She made you chew to a metronome. I had to chew to a metronome and eat with chopsticks. Don't you think that's a little abusive? Well, I don't know. I'm so good at chopsticks now, honey. I can breeze uh- through and eat <laughs> a meal so fast. <laughs> that's hilarious. There was also a, a great story of you in boarding school and your father never showed up for anything. Your mother really was, she was everything, you know, and there was a father daughter thing. And, um, yeah. And they had warned you, uh, you, you want your father to come, but you'll, well, you'll see what, yeah. Three years and he'd right. never been invited. And my junior year my grandma's fine let him come he won't last the weekend she'll find out she'll find out she'll figure out what an asshole he is right so i invited him and um that saturday night when we were doing our big performance for the fathers i couldn't find him anywhere i went to every restroom on the campus i went everywhere and i couldn't find him and i thought he left so i went back in the in the um theater sat in the back and cried and out sweeps my father in a Zorro outfit, speaking fluent Spanish. He's a very handsome man. Uh, and they'd had Zorro pictures all over the campus that Zorro was coming. And there he was, the, just the epitome Completely of Completely surprised you. Knowing yeah. everybody. And he was charming. He was, you know, you oh. talk about him that he was, he'd walk in a room and he was just handsome and but a shitty husband yes, and a non-present father. Pretty much. I mean, he was more present in Michael's in my life. He wasn't present at all in ours. Right. Um, but yeah, but I do believe I, I did. I don't tell these stories out of being a victim. I, no, I, it doesn't that. come off like that at all, but it just, I, I am fascinated with people's childhoods. And right. I loved him dearly. Yeah. You I can tell. Him. Uh, but he he just was a lousy husband. You know, my mother's heart was just broken. But it's your grandfather was a lousy husband, too. Yeah. You yeah, know? you're right. Um, yeah, it's true. 
the role you, models for, right. for marriages are not right seen in my life. You go to this boarding school, you are friends with the Folger heir. Right. She a was Fol- one of my roommates. Yes. Folger. The Folger yes. Coffee right. um, heiress, who you said was extremely smart and artistic and just. Smartest girl in her class. Yeah. Graduated summa cum laude. You loved her. And yes, she- it's funny. We weren't, we, we did care about each other because we were thrown together. And right. I, and it was so different. And you were thrown together. They put well rounded. Right, but they put you together because you both of your parents were getting divorced, and you they were like, oh, she'll be a good roommate for her. Yeah, at the same time, and she surmised that's probably why they put us together because we were so not alike. Right, and she said, I think it's because we're both going through divorce. Our parents getting divorced, and that was Gibby. She was an amazing, amazing young woman. Graduated summa cum laude. Was a classical pianist, uh, and this is in high school. Right. An amazing, amazing young woman. And she was uh, killed by Charles Manson. It's so sad. You lost your virginity. Um, <laughs> Didn't which we all? I love all. I mean, Elisa, you know my lover, Elisa. That's my Jubel, yes. by the way. My lover, Elisa. <laughs> all she said, boy, Sharon Glass. Had, she has more sex than we do. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, you, you got to read the book just for the sex. Um, the yeah, she loves the book. Um, Thank you. So you, I, I, the, I love the fact that you're dating this guy, Philip, and the reason you lose your virginity to him is because he's funny. Like, that is the greatest yeah, I think funny is so sexy. Which is why you've been attracted to me for so long. <laughs> That's it, Judy. <laughs> now it's out there in public. That's the truth. I think funny is very sexy. I just, that made me so happy. You're like, you know what? He, I need, it was On time. a rollaway bed. On a rollaway, a rollaway bed, bed. In an art gallery. And you said he had a nose uh, like Carl Malden. Mm-hmm. Attractive. Yeah, he was, he wasn't. Uh, really handsome, but he was so funny and kind and witty. And, and I was see, sick. that is so great. I love that about you. Like you grew up around all this fakeness and like, cause there's not a lot of, there, no one's from LA. Like you're from LA and you're not, <laughs> and you're not only from LA, you're from like Hollywood elite LA. Like you, well. it's just, it's amazing. And you're like so down to earth. I, I can't. I um, think I, that I had an extraordinary mother, an extraordinary mother who kept tabs on inner beauty is what was important right. to her. Um, and she and was I, independent in her own way, too. I feel like in she own, in her own way. She yeah. finally rose up and been yes. against all of them. Yeah, um, and I, I love that. Hard for her because she was financially dependent on her parents, but she rose up and really saved my life. She really did sacrifice everything for her children. Our situation wasn't dire. No, so. no, no, no. I'm just saying she remained, you know, dependent because she gave up. But she gave up. She gave a lot of herself. That's what I mean. Yeah, poured into us. Right. And you know, when you talk about how you had a credit card in the sixties when women, I mean, it's just, people don't understand. Like these young women don't understand. That wasn't that long ago. Women couldn't have mortgages. Women couldn't have their own credit cards. Like, you know, flight attendants couldn't be, had to be a certain weight. They couldn't be pregnant. Like it wasn't that long ago. I had a friend from college who gave a a flight attendant, came down to LA and they used to measure her calf every week. Are you fucking kidding me? Word of God. They'd measure her calf every week. And if the calf was not the right dimension, she didn't get to work. Ugh. That's what flight attendants used to go through. Right. Hashtag me fucking to. Okay. Cubed. <laughs> you went to Gonzaga. You went to Washington, uh, Sp- Spokane, Washington, um, where you um, had an a affair. Jesuit University. A Jesuit University. Where you're sitting, uh, and this guy, this law student comes over to you, 
and you, you have an affair. Yes, I mean, I'm not proud of that. Oh, please. It was his fault. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that came over to you. I never uh, blame. You know, I, 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 I do take on responsibility. Right. Well, no, that wasn't your fault. And you'd have these parties at a hotel. This is the fucking fun. Can you can you talk about you'd have these parties? Yes. I just talked to my friend Sherry Orr. Her name is Sherry Orr. I just talked to her on the phone. Now, oh, since so the books funny. come out, you know, people, right. are, people are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Sherry and I it was at Jesuit University. And they were so hard on the women. We had to be in at midnight every Friday and Saturday night. Well, come on. So um, Sherry came up with this great idea that we rent a motel room and we have keggers and the guys would bring big kegs of beer and we'd have these great parties. Sort of leave the door open. I mean, no, in those days, nobody was openly screwing around. Right. And it was a Catholic person. And um, we did this all year long. And one night my mother called. Well, you had to leave it. Didn't you have to leave the the name of... Someone, if you went away for the weekend, the women had to leave the name and number where you were staying, and the guy students did not have to leave anything, they could leave. I don't know, I don't know what the guy students had to do. I was in the women's dorm, right? And but we did, God, and I would my mother to called to tell me about a job dorm. I wanted, yeah, summer a counselor's job in the east coast for right. California, coast. and uh, they said she's not here. My mother said, well, I have some good news for her. May I have the number? And so she called the number that the school gave her. And the man who has the phone said, I've never heard of your daughter. <laughs> and hung up the phone. Well, never mind. I, you know, it now as an adult, I can't be angry at her. She was obviously concerned. Right. Called the school back. Has never heard of my daughter. So by the time Sherry and I walked in the dorm that Sunday night, that weekend, their arms were crossed. And we were suspended two weeks before finals. It's crazy. You got in so much fucking trouble oh, and never thought you were going to get caught. And you always got caught. <laughs> How stupid is that? I know. It's, you it's gotta funny. Be positive, it. Judy. You got to be positive. Uh, yeah. Well, you oh. were. Um, your best friend. So, so, you know, they sell this. We talked about this earlier that they sell the Muirfield. Is it Muirfield? Road. Yeah, they sell this house that was your grandfather's and your um, Howard Hughes lived right down the street. Did you ever go over his house? No, I never met him because wow. it was a generation before me. My grandparents right. built the house and raised their children in it. And that's when Mr. Mr. Hughes lived down right. there. My mom saw him all the time. Said she he always referred to the children as the brats. Oh, that's so sweet. He referred to my mother and her siblings as the brats. That's so sweet. What a great guy. My mom said that my grandmother would send her into the living room to go and sit with Mr. Hughes while Mr. Hughes waited for grandpa. So my mother would have to sit there and, you know, her hands in her lap and and entertain Mr. Hughes. That's terrible. (laughs) Ugh. Your best friend, your best friend's family buys the house and she then gets married, as we had mentioned earlier. Uh, and you're all invited to this house that my grandmother so had built. Right. It's every you you the way you describe it, like every inch of that house was your grandmother. She built and, it. She designed it and built it. And you walk in and it, she's there and your mother's there. And you said something that you thought that they bought it, it not for it in a spiteful. What did you think that? No, 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 no. My, my best friend who used to come and spend the night with me every weekend, you know, at that house, got a crush on my brother. She got older right. and even found the heart with her initials on and under a staircase later. Um, the, her parents, uh, when my grandmother was selling it, her parents wanted the house and they right. bought it. All the people in the world, they bought it. And I was the maid of honor at her wedding. And there I was. My mother had had her wedding, had had her own wedding in that house. She'd given, raised her children in right. that house. My grandmother had built the house, got divorced in that house. My mother got divorced in that house. I'm like now 20 and so right. unhappy. 
And there are the three generations standing there in that house. While someone else is getting married. And I bet you thought, oh, it should be me. It should be me who's getting. No, I never really wanted to really? get married. Just, I thought, gee, now I'm losing my best friend. Right. And right. here we are, the three generations of women who formed this house. Right. That was, that was an emotional chapter. You get a job. Your mother wants you to leave L.A. I wanted to leave Carmel. I, right. After, my mother would not let me come back to L.A. Now, you have to understand, I've been thrown out of college. I'm 20 years old, but I'm emotionally 15. Right. You know, I'd never really grown up. And I wanted to leave. And my mother kept saying, your grandmother will have a heart attack. You can't leave. You have to stay here in Carmel, my grandmother, and uh, get a job. And and um, one day, uh, do you want me to tell this story? About I love this. Home? Yeah. Yeah, this was the this was the time my mother rose up, and um, she came home. She went to mass every morning at the mission. She came home one morning and she said, "Sharon, I want you to pack your trunk." I'd already been thrown out of college. I want you to pack your trunk and think of where you want to go. You have two hours in which to do it. I said, "What did I do?" She said, "You've done nothing, darling. Just do what I say." Please. I want you to pack your trunk. And choose where you want to go. I'll get you to Greyhound Station. Because my grandmother was coming in on the train. She needed to get me out of town where my grandmother was in Carmel. Right. And she pulled it off. And, and she, she sat there in the living room, never speaking to me, pretending to read a book. The pages never turned. And I packed. And I was crying what did I do wrong? And yet this is what I said I wanted, but now I'm frightened. And and my mom had no money of her own because it was all my grandparents. So she went to the neighbor across the street and borrowed $200 in cash and gave it to me. She said, this is all I have. Um, I suggest you stay at the Y, the city, wherever city it is you decide to go. And I did. And I got on a Greyhound bus. She made sure that my bus had left before she told my grandmother what she'd done. And that was the biggest gift she ever gave you. Biggest gift. Biggest, I mean. And she remember, trusted you. She, I think it came to a point where she had to force me to grow up. Right. And the only way she could do it is by cutting those apron strings. Right. Even though I was 20. I was 20 going on 15. I know, but, but for a mother to do that, that is like, most mothers don't want to cut them. You know what I mean? And she right. was, and she's, it was sort of like she was saying, you don't end up not fulfilling your dreams. Like, you need to go figure this well, shit she'd out. Well, she'd gone, apparently, to right. our child, the doc, child doctor in Carmel. Right. She said, Mark's saying that she's having migraines and she's just immobile. And yeah. I don't know what to do anymore. And the doctor said, Marjorie, you've got to cut these strings. Yeah. Force her to go. And so I did. I did what she said. And it changed my entire life. I love her for that. And then you go to yeah. the <laughs> Oh, I asked her. A little, it's in the book, but it's yeah. a nice footnote. I asked her years later. I said, Mom, what did Grimmy say when you told her what yeah. she'd done? And she said, she said nothing. What could she say? And then my mother said, I had to do it. I love that. I yeah. love that. It she gave you your independence. Life. And then you met, a, you, you met your first Leslie at the Y. I did. <laughs> I did. I was talking to my brother on the payphone, and I'd been there almost a year. And I, I decided I wanted to come home, and I wasn't having any communication with anybody. And uh, this girl, who I'd become friends with, you know, in the Y, got in the payphone with me in the booth. And... I'm talking to my brother. She opens up the glass door. And she was so sweet. And she said, I'm in love with you. <laughs> I said, um, so I got to get back to you on the phone. I, I was, I didn't know what to say. And, and I, and she smashed her face against the, um, yeah. The door. <laughs> 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 And I went back to Los Angeles. But that was, oh, by the way, the one city I was not allowed to go to. Was, was Seattle Angeles. or Los Angeles? Well, they Seattle didn't want you to Los go Angeles. to Washington. Yeah. No, they didn't want me to go to Spokane because oh. that's 
Where the married guy. Because that's where the married guy was. Right. Um, you go. And they didn't want me in Los Angeles because that's where my father was. Right. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the incredible Sharon Gless. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast, nor any part of my life, it would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. If you are not a subscriber to the show, then please die. No, you don't have to die, but just fucking subscribe and leave a review. Five stars, please. It helps me. It helps you. It helps the world. Also, I am going to be traveling. I'm going to be doing some gigs in your area, I think. I mean, who the hell knows where you are? But I love you for listening to all the way to the end because it's just, uh, you know, it makes me uh, feel important. But um, just so you know, I will be on March 2nd. I will be at the Fat Black Pussycat in New York City. I'm doing an hour at 7 p.m. City Winery, March 10th, New York City. It is going to be a great show. March 12th and 13th, I will be in New Hope at the Raz Room. I'm going to Florida, March 26th. I've got a lot of shit going on. So uh, check out my website, judygold.com, for all of my dates. Follow me on Twitter, Insta, TikTok, uh, at judygold, J-A-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. Uh, this is a, I'm recording this a few days before we air, and I am thinking about everyone in the Ukraine. I just, I hope we can have peace at some point in this world. Uh, boy, does it suck. So anyway, um, we went from pandemic to war, and I think everything's going great. So uh, take care of yourself. Keep laughing. You gotta laugh. Otherwise, life is not worth living. And um, I can't thank you enough for listening. I love you. If anyone's listening right now, I fucking love you for staying on. I mean, you have to listen to me and, you know, my annoying voice uh, for an hour or whatever it is. And then you stay on to listen to the rest of the shit. I mean, you're the best. So thank you all for your love and support. I hope you enjoy. I'm so excited. Next week is part two of Kill Me Now with Sharon Glass as my guest. And um, it was such an honor. I was so excited, as you can tell. So thank you all for listening. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And as we always say, so long.